Let us come before the Lord in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, once again we bow before your presence and we do pray that we may discover wonderful things from the precious word of God. We thank you, Father, for the word. We thank you that it is the infallible word of an infallible God. And Father, we thank you for the one about whom this word speaks from the first chapter to the last in the scriptures. And so we ask your blessing with us as we look within the sacred page. We return our thanks now in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Last Sunday night I mentioned uh, how going through the epistle to the Hebrews and uh, that great faith chapter, uh, chapter 11, and uh, coming to verse 32, which reads, And what more shall I say? Time fails to fail, would fail me to speak of... And then he mentions six names that uh, were not uh, expounded or uh, expounded upon in the um, earlier parts. Time would fail to speak of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, David also and Samuel and, uh, and the prophets, those who worked wondrous things because of their faith. And I thought how easy it is to just pass over those names and not give them another thought. Some of them are well known to us, of course. We've known them for Sunday school days. But um, perhaps not all. And so last Sunday night... Um, Looking at them in the chronological order in the scriptures, we looked at Barak uh, with uh, Deborah, of course. Um, those six names, they appear in, it, it seems to be in three couplets, Gideon and Barak, and then Samson and Jephthah, and David and Samuel. The couplets come in chronological order in the scriptures, but the individual names are in the reverse order. Uh, Barak comes before Gideon, Jephthah comes before Samson, and Samuel comes before David. And so I, was doing, I uh, looked at uh, Barak first. So this morning, just to pick up a few thoughts from the life of Gideon as recorded in the book of Judges. And we go now to Judges chapter uh, 6 and uh, we read here, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven, for seven years and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of, the Mid because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which were in the mountains. So the setting for this one is that the whole country is being impoverished. The people are living in fear because of the Midianites together with the Amalekites, as we read a little further on. And, uh, and so they were really suffering. Now, the reason for this is that the book of Judges speaks of cycles and uh, History was repeating itself over and over again. People were serving God for a time and everything was going so well. And then it wasn't long before they uh, 
fell into sin, they started to be disobedient to uh, to uh, allow sin to come into their daily life. And so uh, God used one of the surrounding nations, sometimes the Philistines, but it might have been the Moabites, the Canaanites from Mesopotamia, and on this occasion the Midianites with the Amalekites, to come in and to get the attention of the people and uh, this resulted in their realising the reason why God had allowed this to happen. And, uh, and so they uh, repented, they confessed their sin, and they turned again to the Lord. He raised up a deliverer, and uh, things went well again. And so they came back into the Lord's presence. But then the cycle repeated itself. It wasn't long. Well, sometimes... Um, uh, a few years and other times uh, maybe 40 or even 80 years, but the whole cycle would repeat once again. And so Gideon was the, um, the judge raised up on this occasion. So just looking a bit further down the chapter now in chapter 6, um, Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. Gideon is one of these who is uh, living in fear. He's threshing wheat, but instead of being out in the open for the wind to drive away the husks, he's hiding in a wine press and doing it for fear of the Midianites. This is what life was like for them. And the angel said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. But if you have a look at Gideon's life, you see that he was really a man of fear. He was very, very fearful. Uh, he was fearful of the Midianites, of course, as we've seen uh, in those early verses in this chapter. But he was also fearful of the commission that he was going to receive. Coming to verse 14, um, firstly, let me say the angel of the Lord. This is a theophany. This is an appearance of the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Lord Jesus, centuries before Bethlehem, centuries before we uh, read as recorded in John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the eternal Son of God and he appears on several occasions in Old Testament scriptures in the appearance of a man. And so when we read the angel of the Lord in capitals, um, uh, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, Yahweh, this is a theophany. This is an appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament times. And so this is the Lord Jesus in his pre-incarnate um, time of appearing to Gideon who addressed him as a mighty man of valour. But um, he gives Gideon a commission 
And Gideon is fearful of the commission that he receives. Verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he, Gideon, said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And so he was fearful of this commission that he's been given. He doesn't realise yet who this one speaking to him is. And so as we go on, uh, verse 17, Then he said to him, If now I have found favour in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he, the Lord, said, I will wait until you come back. Gideon came back with an offering which he uh, offered to the Lord, um, a young goat and an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, he put the broth in a pot, he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on the rock, pour out the broth. And he did so. The angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. The Lord turned this into a burnt offering to the Lord. And when the realisation hit Gideon, verse 22, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the, the angel of the Lord face to face, fearful of death. The Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. He called it Jehovah Shalom, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiezrites, uh, to this day being um, the time of writing of the book of Judges, uh, possibly by Samuel at a later time. So um, uh, he is fearful, and then we find out that he is fearful of his father. Coming down to verse 27, Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. He was told to remove the altar that his father was worshipping, an altar to Baal, along with um, an image that stood beside it, and to destroy it. Well, he did so, and he, but he did it by night. Once again, he had his fears. And yet the Lord still called him a mighty man of valour. Well, um, the chapter just goes on to say that after he did destroy it, that the, uh, it seems that he might have had good reason to be afraid because um, uh, the uh, men came out and they said, uh, who is the one who's destroyed this? He will be put to death. And... Um, and then he was given a nickname by his father, 
his father said on Gideon's behalf, uh, this is an altar to Baal. If Baal is so mighty, let Baal speak for himself. And so um, uh, Gideon then is given the nickname of Jerob Baal, which means let Baal speak for himself. But uh, to pass on in the life of Gideon now, uh, he, he wants more, um, um, more confirmation that this truly is the Lord who is speaking to him. And so uh, we have this familiar part in his life where uh, he said, uh, we're still in chapter 6, but verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand. In other words, I'll put this fleece out on the threshing floor and in the morning, if there is dew on the fleece, if it's wet, but the ground is all dry, then I'll know this is confirmation for me. And in the morning he came and the fleece was wet. He actually wrung it out, a basin of water, but the ground all around was dry. But perhaps this might have been a meteorological phenomenon. Maybe there was a good reason for the fleece to be wet with dew and the ground to be dry. And so, so then he prays, uh, verse 39, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And so now Gideon is fully convinced, and he goes from being... Um, Gideon the fearful to being Gideon, and now he's ready to do this God-appointed task of uh, delivering the people from Midianite oppression. Chapter 7. Then Jeroboam, that's a name that his father had given him, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel claim, or lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Uh, as we'll see, Gideon had 32,000 men um, when he summons the, and organized the army to fight the Midianites. The Midianites, with their uh, allies, numbered 135,000. 32,000 versus 135,000, more than four to one. And God said to him, you've got too many men. And uh, he, he would have shrunk at this, but, you know, maybe... By some freak miracle, it might have happened. So you've got too many men. We've got to reduce the number. And, um, and, and if that happened, then you would have reason for self-glorification. You could uh, claim glory for yourself, saying, My own hand has saved me. 
Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned. 10,000 remained. Now we have 10,000 versus 135,000. And God said, still too many. Verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I'll test Test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so the Lord brought them down to the water. The test was simple. Uh, They're thirsty, all time to have a drink. So some of them got down with their elbows on the ground and put their face in the water and drank luxuriously, but they're going home. And those who got down with one hand on the sword and one hand in the water to cup it up and being vigilant, observant, watching what was going on around me, they were the ones to stay. Gideon was left with an army of 300 men. And so... um, Verse 7, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And so uh, this is a... um, uh, It looked like you know, just a no-go, really, for 300 to take on the, the oppressive Midianite people. And so uh, as you go along a bit further, you'll find that um, uh, Gideon is told to... Well, let's read verse 8. So the people took provisions, their trumpets in their hands, uh, which were ram's horns. He sent them... All, He sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, retained those 300. Now the camp of Midian was below him in a valley. Uh, First of all, Gideon gets another um, piece of encouragement here. Just to quickly slip down to verse 9, we're at verse 9. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with pure your servant. Just two of you go down, you know, in the cover of darkness, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. This was another weapon that the Midianites had, 900 camels. And uh, it's something that... um, Well, it was a disadvantage for the Lord's people, the Israelites. Verse 13, when Gideon had come down, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. These are Midianites uh, talking together. One said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, 
a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered, probably with his face all drained of blood, white as, as white. And he said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so already morale has dropped in the Midianite camp uh, as a result of one man telling another uh, his dream, encouragement for Gideon, and so this is what the Lord wanted him to hear. And so uh, verse uh, 15, so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp and said, Arise! for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. So then we see the strategy that he uses. Uh, he divided the 300 men into three companies, 100 men each. Um, they, they all had a trumpet in every man's hand, empty pitchers and torches. And so these are the weapons that he used. Uh, there were the trumpets, the jars or the pitchers, uh, the torches, these flaming torches which were inside these uh, great jars and, uh, and another weapon he had was the darkness and so this is all during the darkness and uh, uh, verse 18 Gideon speaking to the men he said when I blow the trumpet I and all who are with me then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just as they had posted the watch they blew the trumpets broke the pitchers that were in their hands and the three companies um, blew the trumpets broke the pitchers held the torches in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And so um, so we have these 300 voices shouting, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 300 trumpets blaring, 300 jars smashing, 300 torches flaring. Uh, just a little rhyme that someone made concerning this. But... Um, uh, what happened now was it caused great confusion because um, the whole camp, they didn't know what was going on with all this noise, with all the, these flames around about them. And, uh, and so verse 22, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord said, every man sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. The army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zerera, as far as the border of Abel Mahola of Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh. So now uh, his numbers are being um, added to with uh, the other hangers on from the other tribal areas. Um, must have been happy to see the winning side and wanting to join it. And Gideon sent messages throughout all the mountains of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth, Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering, place, watering places as far as Beth, Barah and the Jordan. So... Um,
So Gideon finds that he has won a great victory. Well, the Lord has won a great victory. Gideon was the instrument. But don't lose sight of the fact he, he was only the instrument. This is the Lord's battle. Uh, when we come to chapter 8, we find that uh, Gideon here is, you know, clashes with the people of Ephraim um, because they said to him, uh, as chapter 8 opens, uh, the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. He said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? He's from Abiezer. This is uh, the area where Ephraim is, uh, where um, Gideon is from. The gleaning of the grapes, that's what's left over after the harvest. Just a few, uh, few grapes here and there. And Gideon said to him, is not the uh, gleaning of the grapes in Ephraim, where you people are from, better than the entire harvest of uh, Ebeiza, where I am from? God has delivered into your hand the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. What was I able to do in comparison with you? So their anger toward him subsided. Proving once again the wisdom of Solomon, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But um, uh, what uh, Gideon used in his weapon, weaponry there really brought confusion, and this is how the Midianites were defeated on that occasion. But uh, let's move on now to verse uh, 22, and here we see a request by the people. The men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. They want Gideon to be their king. Set up a dynasty, a royal dynasty. Be our king and your son will succeed you and your grandson will succeed your son and Gideon's reply is magnificent. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Now, it is really tragic that the life of Gideon, the life story of Gideon, did not finish there because his response to them was wonderful. I'm not going to grant your request because he knew that this is the Lord's victory, not his victory. They were giving credit to him, credit that should have been going to the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the one who had delivered the people down through the centuries. Uh, and, and so now um, uh, Gideon is acknowledging this, but he doesn't act like it. He starts to act as if he were a king. And so we read as we go on here uh, in chapter 8, 
verse 23, But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. This uh, is because Israel was a theocracy. It was God who was their leader. But verse 24, Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you give me the earrings from his plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. In other words, the people that they had defeated and uh, dead bodies lying around wearing earrings, so they'd uh, taken these for themselves, gold earrings, and in their gratitude, because he made this request, they were happy to give it to him. Verse 25, so they answered, we will gladly give them. They spread out a garment, each man threw threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. I've not done my homework here. I don't know uh, what that is in weight, nor do I know the value of it, but I'm sure it would be enormous. And uh, uh, beside the crescent ornaments, pendants and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were around the camel's necks. So um, this would have been a really goodly haul that each of his men would have had uh, from all of the defeated and, and willingly they gave them to Gideon. So what did he do with them? Um, Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. To see the ominous note that followed that magnificent, forthright, crystal clear declaration, the Lord shall rule over you. But now look what's happening. And so idolatry is reintroduced into the land of Israel, even in Gideon's lifetime. And uh, uh, Gideon made it into an ephod. An ephod is part of the garment of the high priest. The high priest was where the tabernacle was. The tabernacle was in Shiloh. This is in Ophrah. So he is in the wrong place. He's in the wrong tribal area. And um, and so he is now outside of the will of God. We ask, how could this happen to someone like Gideon? Verse 28, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Then Jeroboam, that's Gideon, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. Now, we don't read anything of his wives beforehand. As I said, he does not become a king, but he's certainly acting like one. He's he's a master harem for himself. And so now he's got 70 sons. And his concubine, this is abhorrent to God also. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, whose name was called Abimelech. Abimelech. A-B is father, and the uh, L-E-C-E-C-H, Abimelech 
uh, the second part of it means um, is king. And so every time Abimelech was asked his name, his answer would be, my father is king. My name is Abimelech. My father is king. If you have a look at the next book in our Bible, the uh, book of Ruth, uh, you see that Naomi is married to a man. His name is Elimelech. The E-L is God. My God is king. A far worthy name more worthy than Abimelech, my father is king. And this was the name that he'd given to his son, the son of his concubine. And, uh, and so it was, as Gideon was dead. Uh, yeah, verse 32, coming back to verse 32. So Gideon, the son of Joash, died a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abia's rites. So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Barath their God. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Gideon, in accordance with the good that he had done. So, yes, he is a champion of faith. He is one of the heroes of faith. His name is recorded in Hebrews 11. But how could such a one go so wrong at the end? Paul, when writing to the Corinthians in the first epistle in chapter 10, spoke about historical events in the uh, Old Testament times, their deliverance from uh, Egypt and their wanderings in the wilderness. And Paul writes, all of these things happen to them as examples to us. He's writing to Gentiles. He's not writing to other Hebrews. He's writing to Gentiles, Greeks in Corinth. And he said, all of these things happen so that we can learn by them, so that they can admonish us, so that they can encourage us, but so they can warn us. And he goes on to Say these words, Therefore let him that, that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. What? How could this happen to Gideon? How can it not happen to any one of us? We love the Lord, we walk with the Lord, we aim to keep short accounts with the Lord, but how can we guarantee that we will not also slip up late in life? I think of uh, others in Old Testament times starting off so well and yet they finish up so, so very, very badly. Abimelech, my father is king and this is the name that Gideon gave to his son. But uh, thinking of another man, uh, Joash. Remember Athaliah? that uh, wicked queen, the Jezebel of the southern kingdom. She destroyed the royal household, the offspring, and uh, she thought she'd totally eradicated the lineage of David and set herself up as queen. But um, a priest, um, Jehoiada, uh, or uh, more dominantly his wife, uh, Jehosheba, had taken Joash when he was just a little chap, about seven he was, 
and hid him and preserved the lineage of David. Surely what Athaliah had done then, hundreds of years later, was satanically inspired to destroy the lineage of David in order that the promised Messiah could not come, but God had his uh, person then. Gideon, uh, what I was about to say was, Joash, when he became king, started off so well, but then he finished badly. Uh, if you read uh, that account in Second Kings, around about chapter 11 or 12, you find that he too, who was... Um, so magnificently preserved by the priest Jehoiada, yet he too finished badly. Gideon, this one who had proved the Lord in this battle with 300 men versus 135,000, starting so well and yet leading the people or opening the door for them to go back into, into uh, idol worship once again. What a warning this is for us, that we must keep short accounts with God at all times. If it can happen to a man like Gideon, what's to stop it from happening to someone like me, someone like you? How we need to walk a close walk with the Lord, especially in these days when there is so much animosity to Christian values and to the Lord himself. So these things are written for our admonition, for our learning. Therefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. This is the story of Gideon. Yes, he was a hero of faith. His name is there in Hebrews 11. But he too had the old nature with him still, and so do we. Let's be encouraged by this that uh, we can know the reality of the Lord with us day by day and learn from this. What more shall I say? Time fails to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel, and uh, they're written for our learning. Father, we give you thanks for the, for the scriptures. We thank you, Father, for the life of Gideon, so magnificently uh, portrayed, he so exemplifies one who can put his faith and trust in a, a, a an omnipotent God, and yet still he can find himself failing. And Lord, how prone we are to, to wander. And so keep us very close to the cross, May we always seek to keep short accounts with our God. May we learn from men like Gideon. And so be with us throughout this day, throughout the days that lie ahead. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon each one here this morning. Part us then with your blessing, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.